Good morning, everybody. So my goal, I guess, uh, standing there just singing that last phrase of this song is um, why, right? Why Jesus? And why are we here 2,000 years after he died and rose again? What, are, what is this all about? And, um, and it's fun. I, it went, lots of times when we sing that song, I'm just so grateful that we actually have a God whose arms we want to run into. <laughs> But the truth is, if we're honest, most of us struggle to run into God's arms. That's kind of not our normal uh, mentality as a human race for some reason. Um, but you do run into people's arms, right? <clears throat> um, we, we have that, all of us in this room. And whose arms do you run to? That's kind of what we're looking at today. Now, when my kids were little, when they banged their foot or they got a cut or they bruised their leg and they ran to someone's arms, I'd hear them scream, and I'd have my arms wide open, and what would they do? Yeah, they'd run right by me. You know, seriously, I mean, I, I don't know how many times my kids ran right by me, and they went to mom. Why? Because they knew that when they were hurt, they needed someone's arms, but they needed mom's, because they knew mom would be comforting and compassionate, and I'd say, suck it up, right? So, so they run to mom. Um, but when my kids were scared, whose arms are they running to? Okay, not as, you know, mom got a much more resounding answer. Um, no, but, but it's true. My kids will tell me that. Like if I'm on a trip, if I'm not around, they often say, man, dad, we just feel more secure, more safe when you're there. So fear, we all bring something to that. So where do you run when you need to know that you matter? As we did in the video here, what gives you your significance? What helps you to know that you're valuable? And I'd like for you to think about that. What, this morning, how do you know that you're valuable? For some of you, you a lot of your value and your significance is based on how you look, right? That industry in our world is huge. Whether it's the gyms and the stuff we're doing to our bodies, or whether it's everything we're putting on our faces, or it's everything you got on today. There's a value, and you know you're valuable based on how you look. For some of you, you run to success. And you know right now, if you're successful, if you have the right job, if you make the right amount of money, then you know that you're significant. Because that's what our culture tells us. Some of you, you know and you feel significant if you were married. Like that's when you, it's a, what is your relational status? And significance is when there's another human being that says, I will be with you, I will commit myself to you for the rest of my life. And so we have relational stuff, we have physical stuff, we have performance stuff. And, and then the question, though, is why do we worry? And this is so interesting, because back in uh, December, we did a whole series about peace, and we asked you guys to give us back, what are the things you worry about? You know what you and I worry about? We worry about the very things that we run to to give us our value. <laughs> That's how we work. So the number one thing that everybody was worried about was money, right? And so we're nervous about our job performance and whether we could lose that and what happens to our finances because then we could lose our prestige. We also worry that our significant other could bail on us. And that could be if you're dating somebody or that could be if you're married or your mom or your dad. And so, so we run to relationship, we run to performance, to job, we run to our looks, and yet 
they're the very things that we end up worrying about. And here's why. It's because we know, at our core as human beings, we know that if our behavior isn't quite up to snuff, then people's opinions of us will change. So, in all the books that are out there, and I've read a ton of them, because if there's anybody who has searched for value and significance on this planet, I have. And you can go to the self-help section in the bookstore. You can go to the Christian book stuff, and there's tons of stuff written on this. Here's what we know about human beings today. That our significance and our value is defined by our performance plus other people's opinions. Our performance plus other people's opinions is what gives us our value. So what happens is, because that's how we all operate, there are two traps that we can fall in. One trap is the performance trap. And that means I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. I must meet certain standards to have people approve of me. And that's the second one. So you have performance trap, and then you have the approval trap. And that is, I must be approved by certain people to feel good about myself. And so, since every human being's on this rat race, saying I need to know that I matter, and the way that I can do that is by performing well enough so that you'll approve of me. There's two ways that we respond. Half of you in this room, you are the ones who go after it. You're the type A's, you're gonna strive for it. You're the person who's gonna look at this and you're gonna say, I will do anything to show myself worthy and I will do anything to not lose your love. So some of you right now, man, you're working really hard to make sure that you're going for it, that you're proving to everybody that you're worthy of their respect. Now, that's half of us. The other half of us, instead of striving, and my notes aren't in order. That'll work. Instead of striving, the other half of us withdraw. So what we do is we say, I am so scared of failing that I'm not willing to even give it a try. And so some of you in here today, you know, man, you look inside, you look in the mirror and you just, you know that there's so much more to life than what you're experiencing right now. But because you know your value is gonna based on your performance and you don't think you can perform well enough, it totally makes you withdraw. I remember when I worked with high school kids back in Ohio, right out of college, a lot of my guys were on the cross-country team. And there was this one guy who I knew at least 50% of the races he was in, about halfway through, he was going to quit the race. And you know why he quit, right? Because he knew he wasn't going to place well. So instead of actually having everybody say, man, you failed, he would be, oh, you right? Oh, I got hurt. See, because now you couldn't tell him that he hadn't done it. So he never lived fully given himself. And many of you in this room, you're so scared of being rejected by people that all of your relationships are very superficial. You keep everybody at arm's length. Some of you know, man, you're avoiding commitment, and a lot of us are avoiding conflict because what makes me know that I'm valuable is when people approve of me. And I'm scared of people's of approval. So I kind of live this pseudo-isolated life. It was really interesting when I was in, uh, when I went to finish my master's up back in the late 90s, I, I had to take all these psychological tests. You guys all take all these tests? 
And it was really funny. So I take all these tests, and the guy who, who ran the test brought me into his office. And he said, hey, here's what I like to do. He goes, I, I like to just, by reading through your results, I'm going to tell you who you are. And so, um, so he gets done. The first thing he says to me is this. He goes, man, Dave, I just got to tell you, when I look at your tests, there's a lot of insecurity in there. There's a lot of fear inside of you. He goes, but the crazy thing is, it doesn't stop you. And I was like, how do you know me? Right? I mean, he nailed me to the wall. That's been my whole life. See, because I don't just, I know some people withdraw and some people strive. I do both. See, I'm a champion of both of these. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna sit back from the things I'm scared of, but I also know that if I'm going to feel valuable, I've got I've to perform well. So here's, here's where we are. Why? Why does every human being search for significance? Why are there books all over the place written about self-worth and self-esteem? And why are they crucial to our emotional, spiritual, and social stability? And why is it the driving element in the human spirit? I tell you, part of the reason I'm so excited to share with you today is when I gave my life to Christ and began a relationship with him, it was very real, and it was a very real experience for me. But what I've loved for the last 30-some years is when you get into the Bible, you go, oh my gosh, God's actually answering the questions that we're going after. And what the Bible says, what God has revealed, is the reason that all of us are searching for our self-esteem, for our significance, is because you are significant. The reason every human being is striving to find their value is because your value is unbelievable. And the reason every human being is searching to be loved is because you are loved. What the Bible tells us, you guys, is that we have been created by God in his image and that we were created for him. And so God comes along and he says, you have unbelievable worth to me. The only reason any of us are even sitting in this room is because God thought of you. And so the Bible says you have so much value and the reason that you're searching for it is because there's something innate within the human spirit that says, I matter. And yet, it's really hard in this world to feel like I do. So here's what I want to do. Let me pray. I just want to pray for us, okay? And I, would you do this? Can I just ask you, if any of you find yourself, if this is you, and it, it, it is every human being to some extent, but the, if this is you, if you feel like you're just on a huge search and there seems to be an emptiness, not a fullness in your spirit, if there seems to be a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry, then let's pray. And how cool would it be if God might reveal something today to help you to know there's an answer to your search for your significance, okay? So let's do it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day and for this, this, this message. And I just, I pray that you would just come right now because you know everybody in this room. You know the struggle that every one of us are having in this area. 
and I, I just ask that you're, you, you would do what I can't do. I'm just going to do my best to explain this. But I know that when our actual heart feels like we hear your voice, it changes everything. So God, I, I, just, I just pray that you would come through today out of your great love for everyone who's here and set some of us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm so sorry. Could somebody grab me? I know connections or something. Could somebody grab me a bottle of water? Um, I've been battling. Anybody else been battling sickness? I've been battling sickness all week. I already drank my whole bottle that they gave me, but I think I'm going to need one. All right. So here, here we go. Think about this. You only actually search for something. So here we are on the search for significance. You only search for something if you don't possess it, right? If you have it in your possession, you don't have to go look for it. See, look at this. This bottle of water. Thank you, Wenda. <laughs> I'm not searching anymore. Perfect. Now, that's sort of true. But here's the other thing that's true. How many of you have been looking for something and you've actually had it right on your person? Anybody done that? That's happened to my wife so many times. She'd be like, where are my glasses? I'm like, they're on your head, right? And, and you go, oh my gosh, you just spent all this time and they're right here. And so for some of you today, you're searching for significance because you actually don't possess it and you're trying to find it. For others of you, you actually do possess it. You're just not aware. You're not aware. And I, I think Jesus would love this morning in your search, you go, man, where is it? How come I can't find this fullness of life? Why can't I have rest in my soul? And he's going, dude, it's right on the top of your head. And I want to make you aware of that today. So here's where we're going. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 through 23. You guys can open this up. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, open up. If you've got your phones, uh, pull this guy up. And I, I do want to encourage you. Man, I, I pulled this stuff. I have tons of books on this topic. And some that have been very effective for me. And so I pulled most of this information from this message from everything I've been learning from everybody else. So I believe there might be some things you might want to write down and hold on to to help you through this struggle, okay? But we're going to look at this verse, Colossians 1. Once you were alienated from God and were hostile in your minds, engaged in evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope that's held out in the gospel. All right. So again, what I'm excited to share with you today, and I don't, again, if, if you're a Christian today, I, I, this, I've been walking with Jesus for over 30 years. This is still my struggle. Okay? So if you're a Christian, you got to grasp this stuff. If you're not a Christian here today, and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're checking it out or wondering what Jesus Christ taught, I, I'm just excited to share with you, because I know everybody's trying to come up with the answer to this. I'm just going to share with you what God has revealed through Christ as what might be the answer for this, all right? Here's where we start. The search starts here, and that is with alienation. The search starts, why are we searching? The Bible would say, because you don't possess your significance. It's there, and that's why your heart longs for it, 
and their significance is actually found in God. So Colossians 1 comes along and says, you at one time were alienated from God. Now, why is that? So we have to go back to Genesis. So if you go to the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, we find out that God was trying to help us to understand from the beginning, what's the problem here? And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, no matter if you're a Christian or not, you probably know the rest of the story, right? <laughs> Eve buys the lie and she takes the fruit and she eats it. And the result of this was a separation from God. Our alienation happened in this moment and that every human being now has been struggling with. That's what the scriptures are telling us. Now, let me show you in this little few verses. Again, Genesis 3, 1 through 5. You can read it later. There are three lies. And Jesus told us this, right? He says, you do have a spiritual enemy. And he said, he is the father of lies. When he speaks, when he lies, he speaks his native language. So because Satan can't touch God, what he does is he just messes with us through lies. There's three lies in this, in this passage. The first one is this. He said, Eve, he lies about God. And he said, basically what he was saying was, wait, wait, wait a second. Did God say you couldn't eat of anything? And he's like, no, I, I, we, just, we just can't eat of this tree. And then he, he comes to him and he says, he, he said, really, you will surely not die because God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. What the enemy was doing in that moment right there is he was saying, Eve, God's lying to you. He's holding something from you. He's saying that you have to listen to him and hang in this relationship with him. But what he's really saying is the reason he doesn't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because as soon as you do, then you're going to be able to be like him. So the first lie that ever came, and it was given to us right from the beginning in the Bible, is he's saying you can't trust him. He doesn't love you, and he's holding stuff from you. So that's the first lie. God isn't loving, and he doesn't trustworthy. And then he lies about us. So he says, not only is God lying, he goes, Eve, you don't need him. You don't need him. You can be, look, what does he say? God knows that you will eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. So the next lie is, you don't need God. Because it's within you. You can be self-sufficient. And it was in that moment that human beings turned into human doings. And so that's the third lie. If God's not trustworthy, he doesn't love you, he's holding something from you. The second lie is, you can do it all yourself. It's within you. And then the third lie is, you have to do it. 
And so from the beginning of time, we turned into this whole performance culture. And, and that is what alienated us from God. And so what happened was, instead of, man, I believe that I'm, in, I'm in, uh, made by God, that I was created by God, that I'm loved by God, now we don't trust him. And we think that we can do it. And so can I just tell you, sin at its core is simply human beings walking away from God and trying to do things on their own. And it has created this value inside of us that says not only can I do it, now I have to do it. And our value now is by performance and how other people feel about us. Now let's go on. Look at this verse. Alienation is accompanied by opposing thoughts. So the verse goes on. It says, once you were alienated from God and you were hostile in your minds. And that's it, you guys. We just need to understand that at our core today, every one of us as a human being struggles to trust God. If we can all just be honest with us, because if you didn't struggle at all, you would be 100% all in with him all the time. And the truth is none of us are. Well, why? Because we still think he's holding stuff back from us. We still think that he's not good and that he doesn't love us. And instead, we believe that there are other things and there are other people who will actually give us what we're looking for. So we join you too. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Why? Because that's our issue. We are hostile in our minds. And all that word hostile means is, we, it's like I'm, I'm an enemy. I don't, I'm not going to do what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. And it causes our separation from him. Secondly, alienation is accompanied by bad behavior. So as soon as our minds get away from resting in God's love and finding our value from him, and now we go into some bad behavior because I think that my value is based on my performance and your opinion of me. Oh my gosh, it's killing us. Look at this, Colossians 1.21 goes on. Once you were alienated from God and you've engaged in evil behavior. Now, so I dug in a little bit deeper on this one, on this word evil, and it's very interesting. Because it, it, the word just means, at its core, bad. Okay? Bad behavior. And what it means is bad by nature or condition. It, has, it brings a bad effect. It's where the whole idea of being malignant came from. Right? So if, if something is physically bad, that meant it was diseased. But when it was ethically bad, then that means something, the word came evil or destructive. All of a sudden, this alienation from God that moves us into performance and needing each other's opinions leads us to destructive behavior. Now, isn't this interesting? Because Jesus said, the thief, your enemy, comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And so what's going on? Some of you got it going on right now. Your heart is so filled with anger, with anxiety, with fear. Your relationships all around you are falling apart. And it's because, the Bible's saying, it's because you got alienated from God and it led to some bad behavior. Now, give me, let me give you four of them, okay? Here's the four bad behaviors. 
Two of them I've already hit on. I'll just touch on them again. Number one is striving. Striving. Now, let me just say, it's not wrong to be productive. In fact, God actually created you to be productive. I, I, I got some bad news for some of you who don't like to work. God actually created work for human beings before the fall. Do you guys know this? It's not like sin came in the world and then God said, okay, now go to work. No. He actually, the Bible tells us that God's always at work. It's a beautiful thing to be productive. And so why is it that many of you in this room are still trying to find your purpose? Some of you are going, why am I here? And what's going to fulfill me? The reason, again, that you're longing for that is because God designed you to be productive. He wants you to work. He wants you to do that. He just doesn't want you to strive. And there's a big difference. And so some of you, right in here, religiously, your bad behavior is you're striving. You're trying to be good enough for God. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you, you, know, how many of you can relate to that, right? You're sitting in here and you're going, you constantly have this heaviness inside your heart because you're trying to be good enough for God and you never are. And I just want to tell you, I got good news for you today. Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. It's striving and it's killing you. But you don't even have to be religious to strive. That's the pattern of this world because your performance is based on what you do. And you know what striving produces? Anybody ever have any stress? How many of you have some anxiety? How many of you find that you actually are lacking love for the people who are most important to you? You know, some, so many of you right now in this room, you might be successful, but you know if you pull back, you're not even being the person that you want to be. Your spouse doesn't even know you. Your kids don't get any time with you. You're, you're, you're going to pull away, and that final day is going to come. People are going to lay you in a casket, and, you're, and nobody, nobody's going to care about the work you did. They're going to care about the relationship they had with you. And here's what's crazy. You know that's true, and yet you're caught in the trap. That's what striving does. Stress, anxiety, lack of love for others. And then here's the problem. If you're good at it, you can get proud. And that's really helpful for relationships. And if you're not good at it, you get envious of the people who are good at it. Isn't this interesting? Write this verse down. James chapter 3. Go to the second half of James chapter 3. And James says, you guys, if you have selfish ambition or bitter envy in your heart, don't boast about it. It is unspiritual, earthly, and demonic. Because wherever you find selfish ambition and bitter envy, you will find disorder of every kind. And where does that come from? I got alienated from God. And I got sucked into performance. Needing your opinion to know that I'm valued. Bad behavior. Striving. Second bad behavior. Withdrawing. Withdrawing. I tell you what, every time you read books about this stuff, what they'll say is every single one of us is hiding. And you know what's interesting about that? Like right after the fall, you guys who know the story of Adam and Eve, right? As soon as they got caught, what did they do? They went and hid. The first thing they did is they had to hide from God. And you know what? Every one of us, every one of us in this room is hiding. Every one of us right now has a mask on. 
and we try to put on this person that we think other people will like. And the scariest thing ever is that somebody might finally actually know me. Because if you really knew the real me, what would you do? Be very disappointed. So we put on this mask, and that is burdensome, man. That is toilsome. And that's bad behavior. And not only are many of you hiding, which is killing you, but again, you're withdrawing. You won't take risks. You're withdrawing. You, you're, you're not being the person that you desire to be in your heart, and you're not engaging in relationships. Withdrawing and striving are bad behavior. Here's a third bad behavior. Judging. Judging. As soon as we buy into this, my value is based on performance, on your opinion of me. The next thing we do is we judge each other. You know, it's so funny, you guys, in this story with Adam and Eve. So as soon as God shows up and he's like, dude, you're wearing leaves. What's going on? Right? You're covering yourself up. What's happening? What does Adam say? He says, the woman that you gave to me. Isn't that interesting? The first thing Adam does goes, it's your fault, God, because you gave me her, and it's her fault. Bam! And that's all we do now, is now we're always blaming everybody else because we're judging them. And so it's so interesting that, again, that pride when we perform well, envy when we don't. And, and, the, and the truth is, you guys, our culture, every one of us, our, there are things here in America, here in Salt Lake City, there's a culture that tells us what makes you valuable. You grew up in a family that told you what makes you valuable. And so if you grew up in a family that said, if you're smart, if you think well, you're valuable. In fact, I asked my brother if I could uh, share this story today. And um, in my family, my, my brother, was he was the fourth out of five. And he, he had struggles where he felt like many times my, my older brother and sister and myself, that he would be in our shadow, right? That poor kid who had to come after you in class. And so one day he came home and he had a report card and he got a C. And someone in my family said, Nelsons don't get C's. And you know what he did? I, I did a gesture that I probably wasn't supposed to do in the first service. Hopefully they don't show that on the video. Um, <laughs> but in his heart, basically, Mike said in that moment, excuse my French, screw you. And the pressure that he felt, because you're only valuable, apparently in the Nelson family, is if you get an A or a B. And that was the straw that broke Mike's back. And he just went off. And he started destroying his life. He tried to find his value. Found out he was really funny, and he is. He's hilarious. So he became the guy at parties, right? Drugs, alcohol, partying, because then he found his value. See, that's what happens to us, man. So some of you you, you, you grew up in a family that says, if you're healthy, you're valuable. So what you do is you judge people who aren't healthy. Some of you grew up in families where it's like if everything had to be in order and if you were disciplined and neat and night and tidy, then that made you really valuable. So you go to someone's house and their house is a wreck, right? And then you judge them based on the fact that they don't have their whole life all together. And then those of you like me who grew up in a family where the value was just free-flowing and enjoy life, see, then, then you totally judge the people who are all tight, right? <laughs> see, we, we do this. It's bad behavior. Striving, withdrawing, judging, and the last one is compromising. And I just want to tell you, 
And I, I mean, I'm the king of this, okay? We all are at some level. But when I buy the lie that my value is based on how well I perform and whether your opinion of me is good or not, when my performance isn't good and the criticism comes, that hurts. Anybody else? Anybody else want to say that hurts? Okay? Three of us. I'll be very vulnerable here. <laughs> it hurts. And when all of a sudden you feel that fear and you feel that anger and that pain at the core being of what you need as a human being is not there. Do you want to know why? You compromise and you go after the stuff to make you feel better? So many of you right now, you eat when this happens. You eat a lot. You eat a whole half gallon ice cream, right? Because that feels good. Some of you, you shop. You just go out and it's like, I just got to buy stuff, man, because I, I hurt. You know, I, I tell you right now, I believe that so much of our sexual stuff, because sex feels good. And so many of you right now, man, you're involved in stuff that you won't want to do. So many of men, pornography at its core is really an issue that I don't feel valued. And it hurts. And it's weird. When you watch porn, there are drugs that literally move into your brain that take away the pain. So next thing you know, you're doing stuff. You're going to alcohol. You're going to drugs. You've completely compromised. And you guys, here's... So sin, sin isn't necessarily drinking or taking drugs or what all that kind of stuff is. Sin was when we said, you know what, God, I don't trust you. Sin is saying, I don't believe you love me. And if you're holding stuff from me, so I'm going to go perform. And then when I perform, I don't get very good at it and people aren't giving me what I need. So now I'm doing a bunch of behavior. And so you think that God's ticked off of you because of your sin. But what did we learn last week? God so loves you. He hates the fact that you're destructing, that you're, you're self-destructing. He hates the fact that your heart is empty. And so you're alienated. And so now you've got this opposing thoughts against God. And you're having bad behavior. But here's the good news, man. The search stops here. And where does it stop? It stops with reconciliation. The problem is you're alienated from God. And the answer that Jesus Christ came to bring humanity was, you don't have to be alienated from him any longer. And the answer is reconciliation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. But now, I, I'll just say this again, one of the greatest words in all of Scripture is but. Just, just look for but in Scripture all the time. Because what God is in the business of is taking stuff that's broken and healing it, taking stuff that's ashes and creating beauty out of it. And now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight and without blemish. This is so good. So you guys, so here's the good news, all right? I got good news for you. And here's the surprise. Why do we call this series Life a Surprising Adventure? Because the surprise is all that you're searching for and the value that you need as a human being is actually nothing that you're ever going to gain by your performance. 
is something that's given to you by God. So here you go. Number one, you are given value now by Christ's performance, not yours. Did somebody say yay? <laughs> Can I hear more yays? Yeah. Now, for those of you who aren't Christians, you're going, what? Why is that good news? But look at this, Colossians 1.22. Now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. See, so the greatest thing about Christianity, you guys, is it's not about your performance, it's about his. And how do I know in my heart that I'm actually loved even when my performance isn't very good? It's because of what we talked about last week. This, 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is, which is how you know you matter, is Christ gave himself for you. One guy put it this way, religion is spelled D-O, because it's all about what you got to do. And some of you are under the burden of this performance of religion, and it's spelled D-O. But what Jesus Christ came, Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Because it's what Jesus Christ has done. And that, yeah, you can clap if you want. I mean, that is, that is. And, 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 and so if you're not a Christian, here, I, hope you, I hope you've heard. The answer that God has just said is, get off the performance trap. Get off the approval trap. Because it's not about your performance. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And now I can know that I'm loved because as we said last week, Jesus didn't say, now as soon as you get your act together, do enough and then I'll love you. No, he said, you're powerless, ungodly, and a sinner. Sweet. <laughs> Remember that. He says, that's just the right time for me to die for you because then you'll know. And guys, think about this. How valuable are you? How valuable are you? That God himself come die for you. That's how valuable you are. And then secondly... We're given value by God's declaration and not other people's opinions. I'm telling you, man, this is one verse you got to memorize. I know this verse inside and out. God has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, I want to tell you, man, that's really good news. Because when you're a Christian or not and you're trying to be a good one, and you blow it, okay, when you're a pastor, and you blow it, and you look in the mirror, what do you, what's the immediate reaction you have? My performance, bad. And you will hear lies inside your head that the, the enemy's going to lie to you and say, there's no way God could love you. I heard this so much in the last year, you have lost his favor because you can't be everything you need to be. And I want to tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell because God does. Apparently, he looks at me and goes, no, dude, you, you're cool. That's my translation. <laughs> you're cool. Seriously, when you look in the mirror as a Christian, all you see is the negative stuff. What that verse says is when Jesus Christ came, he took all of your sin and he washed it away. He took it within himself. So now, I, that's why I've memorized this verse because that means when I sin... God looks at me and says, I see you holy. I see you without any blemish. Are you kidding me? And zero accusation. So for every human being, when you fall short and everybody's judging you now 
and you've lost their favor, and we will. And I know, don't you know? I know that my performance, because you're a human, you'll have opinion about me. Praise God that he has no opinion of me based on my performance. And I'm telling you, that's what every human being needs to know. I am good to go because of Jesus' performance on my behalf. And I am no accusation. There's no condemnation. And I tell you what, once you are solidified in that, the search for your significance ends. Because you finally found what you were looking for. I am valuable. I am significant. And I do matter and it's because God made me that way. And he lost, the, the redemption is when you, something is yours and you lose it and then you pay a price to get it back. And the redemption was the price of Jesus Christ on the cross so that I could be no longer alienated, but instead reconciled. And I just want to say to you again, I said this first, I'm telling you, this is reality. I, I, I'm just going to tell you, as a Christian, this has been what is real. And, I, and, and you can question it, obviously. But I want to tell you, when you put your faith in Jesus and he pours his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit, you get changed. Now, I still battle, like I'm saying, crazy to keep believing this. And that's why that last thing says, continue in your faith, establish and firm, and don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Nelson, don't move from the hope that's held out in the gospel. Don't move. Don't buy the lie that it's your performance and other people's opinions. You matter to me. You matter to me. It will change your life. So here's how we're going to close. Band's going to come up. We're going to give you one more shot to sing, to engage your heart with God. And like I said last week, this is such a mystery to me. I don't know when people hear from God or when they don't. But some of you, I just got to believe. Because people say this to me all the time. Man, I just, a guy came up to me afterwards. He goes, I've been coming for this whole last year. He goes, every time I come, I feel like you're speaking right to me. I hope you heard Jesus speak right to you. Some of you, I hope you're feeling nailed. You nailed me, man. This is me. And I am. And I'm angry. I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at everybody else who's rejected me because I couldn't do it. I'm sick and tired of striving. I hate the fact that I don't have any deep relationships. I hate being judged and I hate judging others. Could it be that if I would offer my heart to Jesus Christ and put my faith in him, that God would forgive me of all of my sin, forgive me for trusting in other stuff instead of him, Yes, yes it could be. And could it be that if I would receive Jesus Christ, then he would pour his spirit into my heart and I'd be reconciled with God and I could begin to know that I matter and the answer is yes, yes. Give your heart to him, man. Give your heart to him. And we're gonna give you that chance during the song. In fact, can I, I just, I just, I, crazy, I, I don't know why I want to struggle with this. I'm going to ask it again. If any of you, just right now, are saying, I want that. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ into your heart today, would you just raise your hand? Anybody want to do that today? Like, oh my God. Okay, then stand up. 
I'm gonna make it, just go ahead, just stand up. If, if you really want to receive Christ, just stand up. So, now, now hold on, and let me, seriously, now here's, when the service is over, then you gotta come down, okay, when we're all done, go right over to this side over here and we'll pray with you, because you gotta understand that this is real, and I wanna pray for you, okay? Jesus, based on the declaration of people standing here today, to put their faith in you, to confess their sin, which was simply them not believing that you love them and they trusted other things instead of you. God, forgive them of their sin and fill them with your spirit so they can find the life that you came to give us. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the rest of you stand up. The rest of you stand up. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Our team's going to take our offering right now because that's what we're going to do. This song is an offering song. It's an offering of thanks to God. It's an offering of praise to God. It's a chance for you to offer your heart to God, for those of you who need to do this. And then at the same time, we're gonna offer, the reason we offer him our finances is it's just one way you love. If you love, you give. That's just what you do. If you love, you give. So we love him, so we give to him, all right? So if you love to join in that, let's do that and let's sing our final song. Mm -hmm.